You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Thank you, Damilola, for that piece. Um, my name is Pastor Damilola Adilowo, the only wife of Pastor Tolu Adilowo, mother to Zara and Zoe, and I will be having honest conversations about prayer with us today. So let's say a quick prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name today. We ask that you take control, take control of my mouth. Let your words speak and let it meet everybody at their point of need. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. You can say amen now. Amen. 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 Thank you. That's how I know you're there. Great. So today I'm going to share on prayer. I'm not preaching. I'm sharing. We're having a conversation. And, um, you know, as I said, feel free to unmute by question or you want to say amen. I'm going to start, I'm going to try and be quite basic as I start. And then I'll focus on the area I believe God has said we should focus on today. So what is prayer? One of my favorite definitions is that prayer is a spiritual communication between man and God. Now, this for me covers every aspect of it because he acknowledges that it's spiritual because, of course, God is not here. God is in heaven. He's a spirit. And that it's a communication. So it's not a one-way dialogue. A communication, if you look up the definition, is an exchange of information and understanding. So it's an exchange between God and man, a spiritual communication. Um, Simply put, you can also summarize that just by saying, Prayer is a conversation with God. And there's so many scriptures that allude to the fact that God's desire is for us to pray often, pray without ceasing. Men always ought to pray. But why should we pray? I'm going to very quickly look at five reasons why we should pray. Um, Each one of them is a conversation in its own, but I'm going to zone in into one. And after today's message, if BWS is happy with the way I did this, maybe she'll call me back to discuss the other points. But for today, I'll, I'll let you know what I'm focusing on. The first one is our prayer is to know God better because we love him. So if you think back about the definition I said, I said prayer is a communication. If you're in any relationship, the way to know the person better is through communication. Whether it's a boyfriend, whether it's a relationship, it's difficult to get to know each other better or go in intimacy without having communication. So prayer is our way of growing in intimacy with God. The second reason is, um, and this is in no order of priority, is you know we pray to intercede on behalf of people. The third reason is we pray to resist temptation. We pray for strength. The Bible talks about pray, praying to resist temptation that we may stand. We also pray for souls. We pray for souls. We pray for those that are not in Christ to come into Christ. Finally, and the point I'm going to focus on today is that we pray to establish God's will on earth so that the God of this age will not dominate the affairs of men. This is where I'm going to focus our conversation on today. I'm going to read from a scripture in Matthew 6, um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. 
Now, Matthew chapter 6 is quite famously the Lord's Prayer. And it starts at verse 9. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's my focus today. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what I'm alluding to when I say we pray to establish God's will on earth. I'm going to use an analogy that I really hope will help you see the importance of this, this aspect of prayer. Now, for those that know me, um, they know that I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer um, all my professional life. I've been practicing for about 13 years. And, you know, I'm going to give you a bit of an insight into courtroom analogy. So even if you're not a lawyer, you may have had calls to go into a cause for a case or you've watched it on TV or something, but the average person is aware of, you know, how things run in a courtroom. But I'm going to break it down now. So in a typical courtroom, you have a judge, right? Um, and you have a prosecutor. The prosecutor is the person that has brought the case. Then you have the defense counsel. The defense counsel is the person defending the person who the case has been brought against. So those are the three principal players. There's the judge, the prosecutor, and the defense counsel. Then you have the defendants. That's you, the accused. You are the person that the case is against. Now, when we talk about heavenly realities, judge, the judge is God. You know, we know that he sits on the throne. The prosecutor is the devil. The Bible describes him as the accuser of the brethren. Revelations talks about, Revelations 10, 12, I believe, talks about him accusing men day and night. He doesn't stop. And your, def your defense counsel, you are the defendants, me, you, all of us. And we are the ones being accused daily by the enemy. And the defense counsel is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he's our mediator, our intercessor. He's continually making intercession on our behalf. So that's the courtroom um, scenario. Now, I mean, think about it. If Jesus is your lawyer, right, it doesn't get better than that. He's the best lawyer in the world. He's your Femi Falano, Johnny Cochran, I don't know. Jeba lawyer for you is Gege Esther. That's Jesus. He's the best. Then his case is infallible. It is finished. He has won every battle. He has won every victory. So quite frankly, you don't need any prophet to tell you that. That case is already won. So the accuser keeps bringing these allegations, allegations, accusations every day, day and night. And your defense counsel is there saying, but the blood, the blood, the blood, mercy, mercy, mercy. And the judge is saying, you know, I'm a just God. This case is, is won and lost already. The blood speaks for these people. The blood speaks for these people. You have won. So that is good news. Because guess what? If you're in Christ, you've won all your battles already. That is what's playing out in the spiritual realm. You have won. You are winning. Every accusation, the blood is speaking for you. But there's another element to that analogy that a lot of people forget. 
there's an area of law called enforcement of judgments, right? It's a whole body of law that you study as a separate topic. And what that tells you is that once a judgment is given, if it is not enforced, it is of no effect. That judgment, that judgment, it will just be there. It will just be paper. You have to take steps to enforce the judgment, right? And that brings us back to what Jesus said. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As you, have, as you won these battles for us in heaven, we are standing and we are saying, let those victories be reflected on earth. Right? So that's the analogy. I don't know if that was clear. You know, somebody just yes, said yes, it was clear. Or no, it's yeah, clear. it was clear. It was clear. Very okay. clear. Great. So we're on the same page. We have won. We are fighting from a position of victory. Yes, somebody said that. Yes, we've won. But you still have a role to play. And your role is in enforcement. Enforcement of the judgment. Enforcement of the victories that have been won for you. Your enforcement is on earth. Your enforcement is bringing heaven on earth. When you hear people say bringing heaven on earth, they are talking about enforcement. You know, kingdom realities on earth. You are talking about enforcing God's will, God's victory, God's way of doing things on earth. Now I'm focused on this area. I believe God has led me to focus on this area because as we all know, we are living in the middle of a pandemic, right? You know, and there are very, there are quite a lot of, you know, theories around why the pandemic came, who brought it, who sent it, when it's going to go, da, 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 different theories. But one thing is clear that it has come with change, change in every sector, change in the way we live our lives, change in the way we do things, you know, from dating to education. And dating, I was talking to one of my young uh, friends because I'm sure as you all know, I don't date anymore by the message of God. I've left that game. But the ones that are still dating, you know, they give me gist and they're telling me that <clears throat> in this season, you know, um, let me see. But I think app dating apps, dating apps, um, is was really trending. You know that, and I have a few. Yeah, my younger ones. I say they've met people on these apps and they're dating, and they're getting to know each other better virtually, and it's going great. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. That's a sign of the times. This one was not really hoping when my time was going on. When Pastor Tolu was talking to me, it was physical dating. Um, you know, to education, online learning. I mean, people are having to finish courses they started physically. They're having to finish it online. You know, I have people, you know, young ones doing exams now. They're doing it online. People graduating online, new stuff. And then careers, careers that didn't exist when you started university are existing now. You know, I'm sure a lot of us even knew better. Maybe social media managers who have studied, I don't know. But, you know, just things are changing and you know we change always comes a lot of uncertainty you know and that often leaves a lot of people anxious confused you know questioning who they are what their role is in this new dynamic but you know it's easy for christians to forget that you have a tool in your hands that god has given you right to effect change right to download strategies 
right? And to win, to continue to enforce the victories that God has won for you. So the changing times, right, does not reflect, it doesn't have an effect on the dynamics I explained to you. You are still winning. Judgments are still being given in your favor. That will never change. Forget what you say, whatever is going on. That dynamic, keep it in your mind. It can never, nothing can change it, right? So for whatever change you're seeing, rather than feeling displaced, confused, anxious, remember who you are, what Christ has done, and the power that you have to enforce that. And that is why this is not the season to stay silent. This is not the season to not pray. This is not the season to not enforce the victories that Christ has won for us on earth. This is not the time, right? This is the time where we need to try and understand what is going on and where our position is in that reality, where life point sits in that reality. And the way to do that is by prayer. Okay. So I think that kind of explains the why, the why, why this is a very important aspect of prayer. We need to, you know, be focused on in this season. Um, I want to now turn to the who. Who should be praying these prayers? Now, it's easy for people to stop and say, well, you know, uh, Pastor Dami, thanks for all that, but, you know, that's why you are there, that's why BWS is there, that's why PFG is there. They should stand and be making those prayers, those intercessions, and just be bringing the answer to us and you know let us know how things are changing be changing no it doesn't work like that right i'm going to read a scripture from james to you it's in james chapter 5 verses 16 to 17. um let me just start from verse 17. it says elijah was as human as we are and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain should fall None fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield his crops. Put simply, it says Elijah was as human as we are. And what struck out to me, yes, it is amazing that he was able to pray. And it shows the power of prayer that he prayed and rain did not come for three and a half years. And to just address the people that think it was a fluke, the Bible now goes on and tells that. And then he prayed again and the rain came. So it's not a one-off something, right? But what really struck out for me in this verse, in this time, is that it says, Elijah was as human as we are. That answers the who. It doesn't refer, Elijah was a prophet, we all know that. But it doesn't refer to him in his prophetic office. He didn't say Elijah was a prophet. You know, other translations say um, Elijah was of, of like nature or of like passions. All mean the same thing as what he was made up of, the same thing, you, human. He's made up of the fabric of the, the same thing that made, made, made him. The, whatever his humans are made of, that's what he was made of, and that's what you are made of as well. So what you need is, as a human being, you know, you have what it takes in Christ to pray the kind of prayers that will stop praying for three and a half years and bring it back when you stand up and say, come back. You have it. You have it. You don't need a title. You don't need an office. You don't need a special calling. As a believer in Christ, you are able to speak and declare. And the things that God has said in heaven will be done for you 
on earth, not in your life, in your family, in your city, in your church. You have that power. We all have it. So I just wanted us to be clear on that. There's another scripture I'm going to read so that we know that we are founded on scripture. It's in Psalm 107, chapter 28, verse 30. And it says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their destined haven. So this also talks about the time when people came together and cried to God, and he delivered them and calmed the storm. Again, through prayer. You know, um, if we move to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Matthew 21, 22, it says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. And then again, in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, it says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So we have the confirmation in Scripture we have examples that show that we can take our place and use prayer as a tool to enforce that which we know that Christ has done for us to make sure that it is our reality on earth. In this pandemic, when we look around and we see that things are not going, they are not reflecting what Christ says about us in the Bible. We have what it takes to change that. Because guess what? You know, that is not the truth. When I look at these scriptures and when I look at the story of what Elijah did as reported in James, two things are clear to me. One, it's clear that whatever you pray for within God's will shall be done for you. Very clear. But then the second thing that's clear is that what, there are things that have not happened and will not happen if you don't pray. And so the, the question is, what is not happening because you are not praying? In, in your life, what is not happening because you are not praying? In LifePoint Church, what is not happening because they are not praying? In Nigeria, what is not happening because we are not praying? And in the nations, what is not happening because we are not praying? You know, and that for me is the more pressing issue, you know, and where I think that, you know, I really hope that today we will really be charged up again to rise up in the place of prayer and enforce the victories that God has won for us, enforce his will on earth. Um, I, I have the opportunity to talk to quite a few people. And I know that this is a season where people are going through a lot. There's a lot of, you know, um, job courts, job losses. Um, there's a lot of anxiety, you know, and and and. There's a lot of sickness going on. There's a, there's, a, there's a disease spreading. But I sense strongly that this is a time where, you know, we as Christians, we have what it takes to ensure that we don't only survive this season, but we thrive in it. The enemy is out there. And he's, he's you know, the Bible describes him as a liar. He's a liar and he has come to steal, to kill and to destroy. 
We see a lot of that going on now, you know. But then we serve a God who has come to give us life and life abundance, right? So it's simple. If you remember that courtroom dynamic again, right? Our victory is being secured daily. He's been won. You know, he's winning. He won. He's winning. He will forever win. You know, but we are not taken now, please. So a good scenario now on earth is person A is standing, you know, just excited that, you know, he's a Christian and he's in, he's in Christ and Christ has won all the battles for him. And then the devil comes and lies to him that, you know, no, and then he hears at work that they are cutting staff. And then maybe they even cut him. And then the devil tells him, uh-huh, continue reveling in victory in Christ. Soon you'll be hungry. Soon there'll be no water. Soon you have no money to send to your parents. Soon your career that you're doing for the past five years, everything crash. You have unexplained space in your CV. Nobody will talk to you again. Nobody will date you. Nobody will marry you. This is your vision that you're carrying up and down. Nobody wants to hear you talk when you can't even get, you know, all sorts of lies. And such a person, what Christ will have you do is pick up your Bible, search. I'm not going to answer this lying and in your very description is that you're a liar. What has God, what is God saying to me this season? What has he done? What victory is he winning for me as this accuser is speaking his own? Concerning my health, what is he saying? He's saying to me that by my stripes you were healed. You know, he's saying to me that he has an assignment for me, that he predestined me for good works, that the works of my hands are blessed, right? And so those are your judgments. Those are your judgments that you have to take up in prayer and use to enforce in your life, in your family, in the church, you know, when anytime you hear people talking about the church is not relevant, the church is not working, mm-mm. you need to go into the Bible and say, what is Christ saying about the church? That is what you take in prayer and speak over your church. You know, speak over your country, speak over your nation, speak over any area of, life, of your life that you feel is not aligned with what Christ has won for you. That is the response. Um, I want to quickly touch on how how in this season i know some people are saying okay thank you i understand what you're saying i understand the importance now i see that i have the power in christ to enforce christ's will on earth i see it but how practically speaking how can i begin to do that okay i have a few minutes left there are five tips i can give you to start with the first thing is to set aside time in your life right now it could be in the morning it could be in the evening it could be in the daytime but it is critical that you set aside time to pray. That, I mean, it's critical. It's critical in this season. Um, the second thing is focus on quality over quantity. Um, it's better for you to pray for 15 minutes concentrated prayer than for you to spend two hours praying while swiping through Instagram. Do you understand? So if it's 15 minutes clear that you can set aside, that's fine. Just focus on having quiet, undisturbed time with God daily. As time goes on, you can make it twice a day. You can make it, you know, however, you can be like BWS and it's every hour. Fine. Just continue as you grow, you know. The third point, the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. I mean, I learned how to pray by praying. 
Not that there's any formula to praying, but if you feel inadequate or confused in any way, just join a group of people praying. Reach out. There's no pastor in life point that you will reach out to and ask that, look, can we just be praying together every week or whatever so that I can ginger up my prayer life that will say no. I guarantee you that. Elevation Church right now, they set up and it's, 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 it covers the whole church. It's for Elevation, it's for Life Point, it's for Mainland Church. There's a prayer meeting that goes on on Zoom, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. every day, Monday to Saturday. If that's all you can start with, that's amazing. If you can join those prayers, I joined several times. It is so refreshing. It is amazing. If you can join that, that's amazing. And I know that right now, the small groups are working on implementing prayer into their schedule. You know, so different small groups are adapting in different ways. But this is a season where we are going to pray. We're going to pray a lot. Um, the fourth tip I have is learn to acknowledge God in everything you do. So for those that are either on the LifePoint group, the you know, we have a group where every member of LifePoint can join. If you want to join and you're not a member, again, reach out to anybody in LifePoint and they'll add you. Um, and in that group recently, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Pastor Fodusha shared this slide that I spoke about 14 ways to cultivate the presence of God in your daily life. And one of the tips that stood out for me was they said every hour commit to praying for two minutes. You can pray in tongues, you can pray in your understanding. But what that does is it reminds you that you are carrying the presence of God you are constantly reminded of who you are and what you carry. What I've been doing is I've been doing it every three hours. So 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 noon, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., I carve out five minutes. I say the Lord's Prayer. I speak in tongues. I take out time. And it's been so amazing because it, it just constantly reminds me of, of the presence of God working in my life. Um, and if there's like a, a burning issue, I take that opportunity to pray about it. Literally, I don't spend more than seven, 10 minutes max, but it's every three hours, you know. Finally, the word of God. I mean, you cannot divorce the word of God from prayer. They come hand in hand. The one prayer that God will always answer is when you pray the word of God. Remember, we are enforcing God's will. And it's difficult to enforce his will if you don't know his will. His will is revealed in his word. An easy way to start is, you know, if there's something you're struggling with right now, for instance, if it could be in your health, you can look for a scripture. You can use Google. You can use your Bible, hard copy Bible, subversion Bible. You can ask a pastor, a friend to send to you scriptures in relation to what Christ has done for you, the judgments God has won for you in relation to um, illnesses. And then when they send you that scriptures, you take it and you use it to pray. And I guarantee that God's will will be done. Someone asked me what the fourth point was again. The fourth point, I said, acknowledge God in everything you do. And then I'm on the fifth point where I'm talking about the word of God and using scripture to pray. You know, if it's in, in relation to your career, you can look for scriptures that speak to that. If it's peace, you need the peace of God. Look to scriptures that talk about not being anxious and begin to use it in your prayers. You know, I'm telling you, it is a game changer. It is a life changer. And it is how the will of God is enforced in your life. 
in your church, in your family, in your country, in your nations. There's no limit to the change that you can effect when you decide that you will enforce the will of God on earth. I have about one minute left. And what I want to use with this final minute, I want us to pray. I want us to pray. And how I want us to pray, I want to use the Lord's Prayer, right? And again, this is this is also to help anyone that's struggling with, you know, maybe they've not prayed in a while, they don't know how to go back to prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13 is the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to just read each verse and we'll use it to pray. We have literally one minute. Um, if anyone wants to unmute and join me, that's fine. Um, Pastor Tulu, I really appreciate it if you're muted and join me, if you can. The kids, they're not screaming next to you. Okay. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Father, Lord, because we know that you reign above all. Father, Lord, we are kings of kings and Lord of God. We ask that your name is kept holy in our lives, in our church, in our nation.
Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG. 